Good evening and welcome to The Money Programme. It's philosophy talk. Tonight on The Money Programme, we're going to look at money. Lots of it. On film and in the studio. What exactly is money? What makes money more than the paper it's printed on? Delicate fibre stuffed into bulging wallets. Nice, crisp, clean checks. Pert pieces of copper coinage thrust deep into trouser pockets. If we were living in an ideal society, would there be money? Is it possible to live a life without money? I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. Are you sure money can't buy you happiness? My wife ain't gonna make love to me because I ain't got no money, right? Where's the money, Lebowski? Money never sleeps, pal. Our guest is Graham Hubbs from the University of Idaho. Show me the money. Why money matters. Money isn't everything, Mortimer. Oh, grow up. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This holiday season, give the gift of thought. Support the thinker in your life with a gift subscription to our library of more than 500 episodes. More information at our website, philosophytalk.org slash purchase. Is money the root of all evil? Or is it just a technology that makes our lives more efficient? Should some things just not be for sale? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ray Briggs. And I'm Josh Landy. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Quarter on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're thinking about money matters. Well, I think that money matters too much. We'd all be better off if we did away with money. Oh, I don't know, Ray. I mean, if we didn't have money, how could we exchange, you know, crucial goods and services among each other? Well, we could barter. I give you some flour. You give me some olive oil. Uh, well, that's fine for like oil and flour. But, but what if I'm, I don't know, a, a grape grower? I only have grapes in autumn and I can't keep them fresh all year. Okay, Josh. Then we could make a long-term agreement. You give me a bushel of grapes in the summer, and I'll write you an IOU for a bag of flour in the winter. You know what happens when you take that system to its logical conclusion? Yeah, socialist paradise. No, money. Why would you need money in a socialist paradise? Well, people are still going to need to save for a rainy day. I mean, they might be like a, a grape flu that kills all my grapes. A grape flu? You don't know anything about grapes, do you, Josh? Fair enough. I don't. But I do know that saving is a good thing. Uh, saving? You mean hoarding resources so that poor people can't access them? You know, Josh, that's how capitalism got started. Well, maybe. But even if we don't have saving... I mean, there's still going to be trade, right? I mean, I, I can't grow all my own foods and make all my own clothes and, and build my own house. I mean, I don't want to have to give you a whole horse just for a cup of sugar. That's why we need money. Oh, I see. You think that money is just a handy mechanism for the exchange of goods. Well, yeah. What do you think it is? Well, obviously, Josh, it's a system invented by governments so that they can tax us. <laughs> Ray, you're starting to sound like a paranoid conspiracy theorist. No, no, no. It, it's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. Look, Josh, the earliest use of money is from ancient Mesopotamia, where, guess what? It was used to keep track of taxes. 
Okay, that is a fun factoid. I mean, so, so suppose I grant that money was first invented for taxes. That's still got nothing to do with what it is today. Just because something came into being one way doesn't mean it has to stay that way forever. Yeah, but money still is like that today. It's guaranteed by a central bank. That's what makes it money. And the federal government can just print more of it. They just created $2 trillion to bail us out from COVID-19. And I mean, thank God they did. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Ray. Hang on. You just said a minute ago you don't like money. And now you're telling me you're delighted there's trillions more of it. Well, I mean, if the government is going to create money anyway, they should at least be humane about it. All right. So let's be clear. What exactly is your problem with money? Well, it tricks people into thinking that things have equal value when they don't. So look, a new insulin pump costs $6,000 if you don't have insurance. And a Patty the Platypus Beanie Baby costs $6,000. Josh, do you really think those two are worth the same? I don't. That is crazy. Patty the Platypus? I, I have to admit, Ray, that is bonkers. But I guess what I want to say is that not all prices are like that, right? Sometimes you really can put a dollar value on things. Like, I don't know, when you insure your property, for example. <sighs> yeah, I just, I just think there should be a better system. Oh, I've got one for you. Bitcoin. Wait, Bitcoin? You mean the thing where money is just numbers on a computer? How is that even money? Why shouldn't it be? People used to use salt or even rocks. Wait, seriously? Rocks? <laughs> yes, rocks. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to tell us more about that. She files this report. Money. What is it? You smell that? What is that? What? What's that smell? The cologne? No. Opportunity. No. Money. Okay. You smell money. Okay. Money on a lot of different levels is kind of arbitrary. <laughs> Scott Fitzpatrick is a professor of anthropology at the University of Oregon. He says the money we value is often determined by randomness and geography. A lot of currencies developed out of precious objects or precious metals and things like that. Fitzpatrick has dedicated most of his academic life to studying giant stone money. This passion started for him in the mid-90s, when he went on a research expedition to Palau, an island nation in the Pacific. He wandered along the raised limestone islands and coral reef skeletons. And as we trekked up into the jungle in this really jagged, karst terrain, um, the thing I was immediately struck by was uh, this large, flat piece of limestone that was circular in shape and it had a hole through the middle of it. Fitzpatrick noticed a path had been cleared as though people had been preparing to shuttle this giant stone disc elsewhere. The people who had done this were pretty good engineers. They were uh, building other kinds of structures, stone walls and pathways and things like that to help them carve and move these um, very large discs. He soon learned that centuries ago, stones like this were moved over 250 miles north to the island group of Yap. People on Yap didn't have limestone. 
These stones weighed more than a car, and the challenge of bringing them back and carving them only made them more valuable. The chief would take those pieces of stone money and probably keep you know, some of those. They would then place the stone in front of a residence, let's say, and then that person would own it. These stones are called rye, or stone money. But Fitzpatrick says it's not strictly a currency. The Yappies would trade it as a wedding gift or to celebrate a birth. It could be traded without ever moving physically. People who lived on Yap had an oral tradition of learning and remembering who the stones belonged to at any given moment. And that's very different than what you see in other types of societies. And that's uh, the ability of people to have that memory. If you took a look at your wallet, you probably wouldn't remember where your nickels came from. But Fitzpatrick says, as different colonial powers vied for control of this part of the Pacific, the use of stone money in Yap waned. These days, the U.S. dollar is the official currency of Micronesia. Today, you, you know, you can walk through jungles and Yap and um, old traditional villages and, and that aren't used anymore today, and you can still find pieces of stone money laying around that um, don't, you know, that just don't have as much importance um, in everyday transactions as they once did, even maybe a hundred years ago. But stone money is still an important part of culture on Yap. You can still find an image of it on the license plates on the island. And Fitzpatrick says this old currency has a lot to teach us about a new kind of money, cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, like stone money, isn't moot physically. It has value even though... Money on a lot of different levels is kind of arbitrary. Sting is a pyramid since time immemorial. Shit runs downhill, money goes up. It's that simple. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.